Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started BetFred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetFredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred bets and up to 200 Fred bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. You're listening to the College Football Coast to Coast Show. Here are your hosts, Jacob and Tyler. Coast to Coast, uh, presented by Billy Up Sports. Uh, We are here for the recap of our championship, conference championship games. And uh, we're looking forward to our first couple of bowl games here coming up in a little over a week. And we'll break some of those down, uh, your first five games there uh, for the bowl season. So, of course, we'll start it off, Tyler. Uh, We'll kick it off with the usual recap, you know, from some great Power 5 conference championship games. uh, And starting in the Pac-12, sorry, on a Friday night game in Las Vegas. You know, a lot of anticipation for this one. It's a rematch from a game earlier in the year that we saw. About a month before, uh, between two really good teams, came down to a two-point conversion that Cam Rising converts on uh, at home for Utah to win that game. This is a little different story. Uh, number 11, Utah, comes into Las Vegas for the neutral site against number 4, USC, and win by 23, 47-24 to 24, uh, is the final in this one. Your thoughts on how Utah controlled this game from start to finish? Um, and how USC kind of crumbled in the second half. Yeah, Utah absolutely dominated this game in, in the second half. I'm pretty sure the score run that they went on was 47-7 to after USC went up 17-7. to Early on, Caleb Williams was having a field day against this Utah defense, so they went into the halftime. Kyle Winningham, the coach that he's been so far, made the halftime adjustments. Uh, the Utah defense really stepped it up. And with a hobbled Cale Williams, they just brought the pressure to him all game. I know that he was hobbled. Um, so uh, Utah, like we mentioned, this was a team that both of us had in the preseason in this championship game against USC. We both bought into the hype with USC, but more into to Utah, especially with the way that they finished last season. I know that they lost in the Rose Bowl. Uh, they'll be going to the Rose Bowl again uh, with this win. It was a dominating win. And like you mentioned on yesterday's show, not only was it Cam Rising for Utah, but it was also the running game. We saw Tavian Thomas in last year's Pac-12 uh, championship against Oregon show what he did. And then uh, Johnson, a uh, Utah running back, uh, two touchdowns. And really USC, their defense uh, did not come to play at all in this game. Not only was it big plays that was given up, there were so many missed tackles. I don't know if you watched this game, but I lost track, especially, you know, in those two long runs 
that Utah had to pretty much uh, clinch this Pac-12 championship game. USC's defense really just gave up. It was just a sense of giving up. I feel like Lincoln Riley's uh, teams always fold whenever they get down big, and that's what happened then. So this was, you know, for USC's side, now you'll head to the Cotton Bowl to face off against a, a two-lane team uh, that's going to be reeling off of, a, of an American Athletic uh, Conference championship. And on the other side, Utah is going to be playing a pretty good Penn State team. And the Rose Bowl, obviously, we'll get to that once we get into the New Year's Six. That's a little preview. But for USC, this was pretty much a de facto playoff semifinal game for them. If they win, they're in. But with the loss, it opened up the door uh, for another team that we'll talk about uh, later in the show. Yeah, yeah. I think this game, like you mentioned, was controlled in that second half. Yeah, Kyle Whittingham, really a lot of credit to him being hired by Urban Meyer 18 years ago uh, for that offensive coordinator job and has really – uh, flourished into one of the best head coaches and uh, you know a candidate for two years in a row I think uh, for coach of the year and definitely coach of the year in the in the Pac-12 with what they've done this year um, getting away from this game to our other game our big noon kickoff uh, our last big noon kickoff of the year for uh, K-State and TCU uh, in the Big 12 championship in uh, Arlington, Texas. Uh, th- this one here, number 10 K-State and number three TCU. Like you mentioned, this was more more or less a, a game for TCU that they needed to win to solidify themselves into that playoff uh, spot without the committee having to think about it. Um, of course, I did have to do some thinking, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, this year was... Arguably the same game as last year, just two different teams. I mean, this game was controlled very well by K-State. They controlled the pace of this game from start to finish. TCU really couldn't get their ball moving. They like to play fast. Um, That's really how they've been able to accumulate so many points on these teams throughout the year. Uh, K-State in overtime gets it done, though, defensively. This doesn't seem like a you know a defensive conference, and it always comes back to one big defensive play, um, and that being K State getting a fourth and one stop on the one yard line against TCU. Uh, they just come up short on the perfect season, and uh, for K State, it's a it's a great win for them, a good bounce back win. I know they were seeking some revenge after giving up all those points in the second half earlier this year. Uh, but to note, you know, what's what's the difference here for K-State? I mean, 31 points against a really good TCU team and only holding them to 28, which is uh, one of the lowest of the season, if not the lowest on the year. Yeah, the difference uh, was Will Howard. I feel like for Adrian Martinez, whenever he w- went down, this offense just got better with Will Howard. And like you mentioned, you made a good point with uh, the Big 12 championship the last two years has come down. To the final possession, last year Oklahoma State got stopped at the one-yard line for Baylor to win, and now this year we see K-State do the same thing uh, to TCU. Uh, So this was a game. I mean, this was the game. Uh, I thought that the Utah game uh, was good, but on Saturday, this was the best Saturday game that we had by far. I mean, this was just two grinded out defenses going at each other. I mean, this. I know that we love to rag about the Big 12, you know, just being an all-offense, but K-State and TCU's got two of the best defenses uh, in the country. I mean, K-State relies heavily on Deuce Vaughn. Uh, Vaughn did have a good game. Uh, Max Duggan, though, I mean, even in the loss, he poured out his heart 
in his soul. I mean, on the last drive, he couldn't even breathe. Like, that was just a drive that I think that could put him back into the Heisman discussion. I know that Caleb Williams didn't have a good of a game. I would probably would have put Max Duggan ahead of him if TC would have won this game. But still, you got to give credit to Max Duggan for fighting through that. I mean, he was scraped up, beaten, battered, and bruised uh, in this game. But I picked K-State. I just had uh, faith that they could do it uh, this time around. Uh, I mean, K-State and TCU, I mean, not like the first game where Kansas State controlled this game. They were up 28-10 to 10 in their first meeting. This one was pretty much a back-and-forth punch in the mouth. Uh, both defenses were able to get – some key turnovers, uh, but in the end, I mean, this is what you love about college football. I mean, but like you mentioned, TCU did have a lot to play for in this one. You were thinking that a win would put them in, a loss would maybe put them on the outside looking in. But as soon as this game went in overtime, I, I mean, I, I could you could deep breathe if you're a TCU fan. Even with the loss, I still feel like, you know, going up against Ohio State a resume, going up against an Alabama resume, TCU already has – five top 25 matchups and really their one loss is a team that already beat and was off of a field goal and getting stopped at the one yard line so I agree over the committee of putting TCU in yeah and and I think uh like you mentioned TCU with the resume a way better resume really rolled through their schedule uh it was some key victories there and it speaks for themselves I mean you get rewarded um and that's really the feel-good story for the smaller programs, uh, TCU is a power five program, but you know, they're never, they've never been that top tier yeah. power five. So it's good to see them back. Uh, it's been a long time. So it's good to see them back there hanging well, out. That's a good the point. Top I mean, whenever TCU was in the Mountain West, it was TCU and Boise state really controlling that. So, I mean, TCU, this really shouldn't be a prize if you're just a casual college football fan. I mean, this TCU, program has been a sleeping giant and to them you know it, the future is bright for them in the big 12 once texas and oklahoma leave and now you're getting team like a cincinnati who's really without luke fickle you don't know what the future is going to be for them ucf with gus mazan they're looking pretty good and then byu it could be a team that you just never know what version you're going to get with salani kataki as their head coach i feel like tcu could be the top dog moving forward with the big 12 especially with the way that Sonny Dykes has built this program. I mean, this is his first year uh, at TCU. So, in my opinion, he's the coach of the year. I know that Jim Harbaugh did a good job. But in your first year to to bring TCU, where all the hype was around Texas in the offseason, Oklahoma State was getting a lot of hype. Uh, You got to give it to Sonny Dykes uh, and TCU. I mean, this is a program that's been really a sleeping giant, like you mentioned. I mean, they're a powerhouse in the group of five, along with Boise State. But to see them now get a chance in the college football playoff is definitely going to be something that I'll be watching for. Yeah, the feel-good story of the year, and hopefully they can cap it off with a big national championship, and there's a couple of roadblocks in the way of that. Uh, and, of course, one of those being the winner of the SEC uh, based on their championship win on Saturday night between number 14 LSU uh, and number one Georgia. This game was controlled by Georgia throughout. Defense was was the key in this game. Uh, And Georgia's defense did enough, pesky enough on on, on defense, you know, to get the stops that they needed to, turnovers uh, that really hurt LSU, and a couple not being their fault entirely. I mean, you know, you got some wacky things that do happen. Uh, within the course of a game and you know 50 points though to Georgia is a lot um, I mean there were teams like Georgia Tech that didn't even give up 50 you know to to Georgia this year I mean that, that's the part that 
really baffles me. And this LSU defense has shown signs of greatness this year, uh, along with real struggles. I mean, 30 points on offense is okay. Uh, and of course, I think you'll get more into the meat and potatoes of those 30 points and how that happened. But I mean, for me, it's defense. Your guys really need to step up uh, and play good defense. You played it well against Ole Miss. You played well against Alabama. And uh, this was just a time where it it felt like it felt like the LSU Tennessee game this year a little bit. Watching it, seeing LSU's defense struggle uh, against a high powered offense because Stetson Bennett is is a good quality quarterback, and he's arguably going to be you know top three in the draft. Uh, once it comes around, I mean, uh, or top three rounds in the draft, you know, once it rolls around. So I feel like, uh, I feel like Georgia, you know, this is a big stepping stone. And there were a lot of question marks around Georgia, but they hadn't played anybody. And this is their, arguably their biggest test of the year outside of the Tennessee game. So, yeah. uh, which they had no problems with. So I fully expect Georgia to show their true colors uh, here in the, in the semifinal and in the national championship. Um, and for LSU, a, a good season, good quality season for a first year uh, for Brian Kelly. I, I don't think it's something you hang your hat on. You know, you put your head down about and say, well, you know, we were so close and we didn't do it. It's one of those where you know LSU wasn't even uh, given a chance this year. And that's the thing about it. Nobody had any thought of LSU said, uh, you know, Joe Burrow's out the door. Things are going to fall apart. LSU did not have a good year last year. Um, and it was just like, here we go. It's it's a complete rebuild. Um, and Brian Kelly brought in the Band-Aids and held it up, you know, for a, the team to finish uh, in the top 15 going into the championship. So I think it is a good quality season for LSU. I know your thoughts might be different or similar, uh, but I'll listen to what you got to say about it. No, they're very similar. I mean, the preseason media poll, you're looking at LSU wasn't even given a shot. They were picked uh, second to last uh, to finish in the SEC West at fifth. Uh, the last place was Auburn. They got that right. Uh, but to win the SEC West uh, in Brian Kelly's first year, with especially with the roster, I mean, this is probably not even going to be even close to the best roster that he'll assemble. It was good a transfer to get Jaden Daniels. I mean, without Jaden Daniels, where's this LSU team? Are they even a nine-win football team? I think the answer is no. I mean, I feel like in the LSU fan base, there's a split between Jaden Daniels. Some love him, some hate him. I'm in the boat of I love him. I mean, he can just do it all. And you can just see on Saturday that he wasn't 100%. Once he got tackled a couple of times, I mean, it was just done for him. You just don't want to Ruining kids, uh, you know, it's pretty – it was a really, I hate to say, like a meaningless game for LSU at the time. It was 42-17 to 17 at that rate, just putting the backup quarterback and hopefully you can get uh, Daniels back uh, for the bowl game. But like you mentioned, I mean, this LSU defense has been up and down all year. You've seen games like the Alabama game where in the first half they absolutely shut teams down. And then you look at last week against Texas A&M, you know, A&M's offense really hasn't shown much uh, in their SEC conference slate. And then you face – uh you know, a Georgia offense uh, isn't looked at to be, you know, great, but they're a top 10 if you look at it, all statistics. I mean, sets a bit like you mentioned, he's seasoned, uh, he's played in big games like this. And like I mentioned, I mean, Georgia wasn't going to lay down uh, for LSU in this one. Georgia has a won the SEC championship in 2017. Uh, they've been close uh, against Alabama. So they were just going to pour it on. And it started wacky in this game. LSU was driving, the, trying to go up, kick a field goal. 
and the special teams, uh, like LSU fans know, has been uh, a thorn on their side the whole year. Georgia went up 7-0 because of that. So, honestly, this was expected. Uh, but just going back to your question, is this a good season? I would say yes. If you would have said that we were, you know, going to that SEC championship, nine wins, and going to a good bowl game, uh, going to the Citrus Bowl uh, against a formidable pro- opponent uh, in Purdue. So, I know that Brian Kelly will have his squad ready. That's uh, Purdue is definitely not a team uh, that you don't want to overlook. We've seen what they can do. I mean, even looking in the first half that we'll talk about in, in a couple of minutes here, I mean, Purdue gave Michigan a game. Uh, but going into this one, LSU's defense just running out of gas at the end of the season. Really, the main concern has been uh, their secondary depth is, is showing, and then their defensive line hasn't been able to get any pressure on the quarterback. I mean, Seth Bennett had all day to throw to look to Broad ba- Brock Bowers, to look to Lad McConkey, Darnell Washington. I mean, it was just a Georgia offensive showing. I mean, 50 points uh, against an LSU defense. So, I mean, if you're looking at the score, you would have thought that 30 would have been enough to beat Georgia. But once you look at the, the whole entire game plan of what happened, I mean, this was expected. Georgia, 20-point win. Uh, they were able to cover it uh, and claim the SEC title. Like I mentioned, their first one since 17. So pretty good momentum uh, going into the college football playoff. Like you mentioned, Georgia was a team that struggled throughout the season, you know, against Kentucky, against Kent State, Missouri. But I feel confident about this Georgia team uh, going into the playoff. Yeah, and I think you said something key there, that being, uh, you know, the hype around the game. And the thing was, is there wasn't much hype around this game only because of It was a number one versus number 14 team. A lot of times, you know, the last few years, uh, since the four-team playoff, we've really seen the SEC championship uh, have a lot of playoff implications. But this game had zero playoff implications whatsoever because even if Georgia loses this game, there's an argument that they're still in the top four. Um, They're pretty much a lock in their period. I think even with the loss, they still had a 90% chance of, of making the playoff. So... Um, you know, it was a meaningless game, I guess. I mean, it would have been a good stepping stone for LSU to get an SEC championship in a wacky, in a wacky, weird season way. And, but, uh, you know, Georgia does hold on, uh, as expected and cover that 17 point line uh, with the 20 point victory. Like you mentioned just a second ago with the big 10 championship in Indianapolis and Lucas oil. Uh, I love that stadium, but, uh, Purdue, the Boilermakers, uh, travel just down the road a piece uh, to Indianapolis to face off against the number two ranked Michigan Wolverines who have been on fire as of late. Um, Purdue puts up 22 on Michigan, seven, uh, 13, I'm sorry, in the first half of this one here and uh, just don't have the recipe to close it out in the second half. I mean, halftime was 13 to 14 in this one with Michigan having the one point uh, lead at half and <clears throat> second half is controlled completely by uh, Michigan in this one. I mean, it uh, was kind of a steamroll effect in the second half run game. Pass game looked well. JJ McCarthy looked comfortable in the pocket. Um, and I think you got to credit a lot of the offensive line for Michigan Two really good classes of offensive line the last two years uh, for them. And it's really made their, com- their quarterbacks feel very comfortable in the pocket. Um, running game wise, they open a lot of holes for the running game for Donovan Edwards and, uh, really has been a story player for Michigan kind of put on the back burner because of what Blake Coram had did early in the year. 
Uh, but really they do have a one-two back tandem that's very scary uh, to watch and, and play against as a defensive player. Uh, Aiden O'Connell played okay in this game. Didn't look 100%. Um, he was battling some personal things with his brother passing away um, and it really being a hard time for him and his family. So I do understand a lot of the hardship that went on there within his family and personally. Um there were signs of, of good signs for Purdue running the football early in this game. Defense controlled it pretty well. Um, and I thought they put, I thought they would put up a fight, but you know, of course Michigan wins this uh, 43 to 22 uh, in a big way for a 21 point victory. Yeah. This is something that we're used to for this Michigan team this year. They always start off slow, uh, except for the last week against Ohio state They They did start off slow, but they were able to get it going into the half. <laughs> But uh, you just know that Purdue was going to fall flat. This Purdue team, Jeff Brom, was 3-0 against top five opponents. Uh, sadly, that now falls to 3-1. and So we'll see if he can uh, close out a good season on in, in Orlando in the Citrus Bowl. But Michigan, like I mentioned yesterday's show, as much as their running backs get credit, this Michigan offensive line, I mean, just handing them the trophy down. This is the best offensive line uh, in the in the country. So, I think that with Blake Corm being out for the season, Donovan Edwards, he's going to be that guy, and he was the guy on Saturday. Two touchdowns, over 100 yards to rush, and as he just continued his performance from last week in Columbus against Ohio State. And, and Purdue's defense, I knew that it was going to be a step down, especially with a guy. I know it's only one guy, but George Karloftis was really the leader and the focal point of that defense uh, from last year. And just losing him on the defensive line, you just – it was just a battle of the trenches that Purdue just didn't have. Michigan's offensive line dominated that one in their defensive line. I mean, Purdue, like you mentioned, their running game was able to get it going, but in the second half, it was just all Michigan. They were able to, to get good run plays. J.J. McCarthy, three touchdowns. He did throw an interception, so not his greatest game, but still putting up three touchdowns. So Michigan back-to-back and Big Ten champs, uh, as Jim Harbaugh, you know, a couple of years ago, he was on the hot seat. You can't mm-hmm. forget about that. And now he's really got this program rolling to two back-to-back championships in the Big Ten, you know, the toughest divisions uh, in the Big Ten East. You know, you had three teams finishing the top ten, Penn State at eight, Michigan at two, and then Ohio State at four. So you got to say that, honestly, as bad as the Big Ten West has been, the Big Ten East was definitely by far the best division this year. Yeah, division wise, yeah, I do have to agree with you. It was just, it was just a pounding by those three teams. Uh, that really is, has been for a long time, and it's finally shown that the Big Ten is actually a really good uh, conference, and you know they can compete with SEC schools. And it really is going to be a battle of the Big Ten and the SEC here in the playoff, uh, unless TCU wants to spoil the party, which I'm looking forward to that. But. Uh, the last game, of course, in the ACC is the sleepiest of them all. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ACC championship in Charlotte, North Carolina. Or, yes, correct. I'm blanking for half a second. Uh, but number nine, Clemson, uh, takes care of uh, the North Carolina Tar Heels. 39-10 to 10 for a 29-point victory. Um, I think the biggest story in this one is Clemson has found their quarterback for the, for the future. And... Uh, I just feel like there was a lot for Drake May and North Carolina to do in this game for them, you know, for a lot of pressure 
to produce against a good Clemson team who struggled uh, the last couple of weeks, and it seems like they've had problems. And uh, Dabo has seemed to work it out with, with his guys um, and get them on the right track. And I thought this might be for the second year in a row we might not see Clemson uh, win an ACC championship, um, but they do come back and, and claim it. Uh, for a little short hiatus away from it. And it really was for the taking for North Carolina. And I saw this to start the year, and I said, you know, North Carolina has a chance with the pieces that they have, uh, running game, passing game, and, you know, close to an elite quarterback uh, in their program there that has a lot of lot of uh, maneuverability around him there within the pocket and, and really has uh, a chance to be great. Uh I thought they really had a chance in this one, and I and I know that it was, should have been a closer game than this. Uh, but ten points for North Carolina, I think that's the season low on the year. But uh, Clemson takes care of business, and uh, North Carolina was never been a good defensive team. So uh, you really need your offense to show up, and they just did not for this performance. Yeah, I was hoping for more fight from this North Carolina team, but we just haven't seen the same team that we saw against Wake Forest. They, they lost to Georgia Tech, lost to NC State. Now you lose by 29 to Clemson. Like you mentioned, I mean, in Clemson, I mean, DJ Uungle is now going to be moving on, and now you have Kate Klubniak, who is – you're going to be your guy. He had a really good game. Will Shipley ha- had a game as well. I mean, this is the best offense performance that I've seen all year. I mean, just imagine if they don't – they just bench DJU. Like, what happens? Do they beat Notre Dame? I mean, did they beat South Carolina last week? Just, just now it's like more what ifs if you're a Clemson Tiger fan. Like if you don't run with DJU the rest of the year, maybe this is a playoff team uh, going in, into December. But you got to give credit uh, to Clemson. I mean, this was only last year we saw uh, Wake Forest and Pittsburgh uh, tangle it out. So it was just a one-year uh, miss from uh, Clemson. But this was uh, just uh, them uh, continuing uh, their dynasty in the ACC. Uh, even if uh, losing to the playoffs, they do get a good matchup uh, in the All-Orange Bowl uh, with uh, Tennessee. But, Mr. ACC, uh, honestly, you didn't get your pick right, but you still had this matchup uh, nonetheless. So you did go two for two in my book. Let's see if you can go three for three uh, once we uh, talk about uh, next year. Yeah, let's hope we can continue the the ACC dominance for next year because I'm having fun with it. It's a good time uh, predicting to see who's going to be there in Charlotte at the end of it all. Uh, But, of course, that is it for the recap of our conference championships. We're only breaking down the Power Five. There are too many group of fives to to talk about. But kudos to Tulane. Definitely a good story going from 2-10 and to now uh, AAC champs and now going uh, to the Cotton Bowl. Let's see what you can do uh, against USC. Yeah, it would be a great showing uh, for them and a great opportunity for them to beat a really good team uh, in USC. Of course, talking a little bit uh, about the top four teams in there brings us to our uh, college football playoff top four reaction. Uh, We did get it coming in from uh, Sunday, Sunday at noon. We did have our top four come in uh, and the committee showed what, uh, what four teams they think deserve the odds to be there fighting for a national championship. And of course it is brought to you by Buffalo Bayou Brewing Company you guys want to go over there and check out all the cool uh alcoholic beverages and food that they have over in h-town uh, you can head over there and see what they got at www.buffbrew.com that is www.buffbrew.com um tyler you know 
with your top four here, uh, what what do you think was the team that was questionable to make the top four given their resume, um, you know, that the committee did include? And then uh, what team really should have been included that wasn't, uh, that could have snuck into that four spot? Well, the top two teams that you see, Georgia and Michigan, uh, didn't even have to to break a sweat on Saturday. They could have lost and they would have still been in. But I feel like the argument uh, was TCU with the loss against Kansas State. Was their resume good enough? Uh, and like I mentioned earlier in the show, yes, they already had five top 25 wins. Uh, I don't know if it's five anymore. It could have fluctuated. I know that Oklahoma State was ranked number seven whenever they matched up, so maybe it's now only three or two. But still, overall, TCU has played in a better overall schedule. Really, the only argument was, is Ohio State going to get it or is an Alabama going to get it? I honestly thought that Tennessee should have been ranked ahead of Alabama. I've been a – I know you know me that I am very pro on the head-to-head. And if someone like Tennessee beats them and they're ranked below them, this is another gripe I have. I saw that USC is ranked ahead of Utah. Huh? How does that happen? I know that Utah has three losses, but USC has two. So well, actually and now both I'm, losses, both losses coming to that team. Yeah. So uh, actually, never mind. I'm reading that wrong. Number eight. Number eight is Utah. Sorry. I was watching a show just about now and they had a le- like U- Utah number 11 and uh USC 10, but still something like, like Alabama and Tennessee, they beat them 52 to 49. And I know that a lot of people are saying that, that Tennessee, they got boat raced by South Carolina. It was a bad loss, but I feel like that's not really the loss that's putting them behind, uh, you know, Alabama. I think Hinton Hooker not being healthy is the main reason why that Tennessee is ranked below them. And that's just unacceptable. Honestly, it's not just one player that brought this team to where they are. It's the whole entire body of work. So I think that Ohio State, I'm fine with them being in. I mean, but I just think that we – I think Wade brought up a really good point. I think that conferences really just need to move to number one versus number two. I mean, honestly, more people would have watched Michigan and Ohio State, but it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I know that Ohio State deserves to be in, uh, but they really were just sitting – on the couch and meanwhile USC's over there playing for their lives and they lose on conference championship week and Ohio State didn't even make it to the conference championship so they get in because USC lost pretty much on on a week that half of the teams aren't even playing so I don't know hopefully with the playoff expansion I think that's gonna that's gonna alleviate that you'll get the the four top teams uh, being conference champions they'll get a bye uh, and then the rest so will be at larges, and then the group of five uh, will get their shot. So I feel like, like I mentioned, Ohio State has always been that team that, that sneaks in even without a conference championship. We've seen it in 2014 uh, whenever they lost the game. They did make it to the conference championship that year, uh, but the main year that I know that you always talk about is 2016 whenever Penn State had that head-to-head. So honestly, I, I do agree uh, with the playoff uh, committee, but it's just – I don't know. It's hard. I know that USC like lost that game pretty badly, but for them uh, to get really like they dropped all the way down to ten, like six spots, whenever teams in front of them didn't even play and earn a right for the conference championship. So that's really the only gripe that I have. But other than that, I think that the top four is right. 
Well, and it also begs the question and makes you wonder uh, if conference championships count against teams within the top four rankings because um, you are the only ones playing. I mean, unless it's two teams sitting at four and five and they're playing in a Big Ten conference championship and the number five team beats the number four team, then I can see that being a thing. Um, but for USC, I don't know. I, I get that they get spanked, but they did have a really good year, and they were already ranked above Ohio State. And that's State another issue. Looking at game. This is actually what I meant, that USC is above Penn State right now. How does Penn State – they don't play – they don't even play a conference championship, but they drop three spots all of a sudden. Right, and it makes you wonder, I mean, somebody had to move up, and of course Utah moved up uh, a few spots, but it doesn't make any sense the way it was shuffled uh, for some teams to be placed above uh, some good teams that lost, and their only losses coming against teams that are ranked within the top four playing for a national championship. Um, I mean, USC's two losses are against the same team, uh, that will not be playing for a national championship. So it makes you really wonder uh, what was going on there within the committee. And we talk about this every year. Um, and hopefully we only have to do it one more year and then it'll be on to the next uh, with our 12 team and we won't have to worry about it. Uh, but we'll have plenty more to talk about. And I'm sure we'll come up with something else to gripe about once we get to the 12 team playoff because uh, that the, yeah, and that is the name of the game because there'll be a lot of talks of uh, what's going to happen with the expansion going forward. Uh, but moving away from that, folks, it's now our favorite time of the year, and it's bowl season. Uh, and, of course, we do have uh, our first few bowl games that start on December the 16th, uh, and we will get through a couple of games on the 16th and the 17th that we're going to break down first. And, it, of course, it's some of the low bowl games for some teams that didn't make it too far uh, this year, but we will – uh, show you guys what our picks are for those games uh, and who should be there playing uh, in those games. And first, it is uh, brought to you by Fanatics. Our bold picks are brought to you by Fanatics. If you guys want to check out what they have to offer over there, uh, you can head over to the link within our show in the description in the show notes, uh, and you guys can get all of that gear over there. They are running some sales for the holiday season and you guys can check that out over there at fanatics.com um use that code of course get yourself some 65 percent off because i still think they're on that 65 percent off train as usual uh with fanatics uh tyler getting to our bowl picks here first one is the hometown lenders bahamas bowl in this one and it is uh a snoozer of a game i think in my opinion it is Miami of Ohio up against the UAB Blazers. Uh, this one, I think, is fairly easy uh, for the both of us based on what uh, on what we've seen this season and the two teams uh, as far as record goes. I feel like, for me, uh, it's going to come down to the run game, and I'm going to go with UAB. I think they're the all-around uh, consensus team in this one. Uh, they are a big 12-point favorite in this one, so I'm going to roll with the Blazers. Yeah, and looking at Vegas, uh, UAB is already a 10.5-point favorite, so uh, I know that you're saying that it's a snoozer and it's shaping up to be. I mean, Miami of Ohio wasn't a formal team 
in the MAC, and UAB was the team that I know that both of us were really high on. It was pretty much UTSA and UAB that we had the two top teams competing in the Conference USA, especially with that conference. Uh, a lot of teams are moving on to the Sun Belt, and then we'll have some more teams move up uh, to the American. But I feel like, yeah, this is an easy pick. I, usually bowl games are very hard to pick, but I feel like uh, this is the easiest one out of the bunch. Uh, so I think that UAB is going to enjoy their vacation and get a, a big win here uh, to finish off their season. So give me the Blazers. Yeah, they'll enjoy their lovely time <laughs> in Nassau, Bahamas, uh, with their lovely trophy and their bowl win. Good for that program who uh, – just got kicked off a few years ago uh, with the football and, and they've really uh, hit it off with their football program. So it's glad I'm glad to see that they are growing uh, in the state of Alabama with the football and uh, they're getting some decent recruits there. So uh, good for them and a, a good bowl season, uh, hopefully coming for them on to our next game here. It is the Duluth trading cure bowl in Orlando, Florida, uh, it is the UTSA Roadrunners up against the Troy Trojans. I feel like this game here, uh, it is sitting at a pick 'em game right now. Mm. Uh, so that's the interesting fact about it is number 25 versus number 24. We don't see this very often uh, when we get into bowl season. Uh, Troy is your Sunbelt champion, and I believe UTSA is your Conference USA champ. Conference USA champ. Uh, and uh, for them, I feel like that Conference USA champ uh, was a steamroll for them. They are the best team, I think, in the Conference USA with everybody that is left and hasn't moved on. Uh, for Troy, they've struggled in some games this year. They did beat Coastal Carolina for that Sunbelt championship. But uh, UTSA has way too much offense, I think, for Troy. So I'm going to roll with the Roadrunners in UTSA in this one. Yeah, this is going to be a dogfight. I feel like uh, this is going to be a high-scoring shootout to start off our bowl season. If you watch both of the games, it was really dominating Coastal Carolina. Like I mentioned, didn't deserve to be there. Uh, that's why I picked Troy uh, in favor of, of James Madison, and that's exactly what happened. Troy uh, exposed them pretty much. Uh, but I think that UTSA going up against Troy, uh, this is going to be a battle of uh, who has the ball last, and I think that UTSA uh, will do that. So. This is a very tough pick. I love, I like what this Troy team has done, but I just feel like UTSA, this has been their year. They're going to finish out the year strong uh, and get, I think it's going to be like a 38 35 type of game. It's going to be close, come down to the wire, but I have more uh, in faith uh, in this Roadrunner team. I think they're more seasoned uh, compared to Troy. Yeah, definitely have a lot more offensive firepower. Defense may be lacking a little bit, but uh, offense wins games at the end of the day in some of these bowl games. So, uh, moving on to the next bowl game here, it is the Wasabi Fenway Bowl in Boston, Massachusetts. Of course, in the baseball stadium of yep. Fenway Park. Uh, this one here is the Cincinnati Bearcats up against the Louisville Cardinals. I, I feel like uh, Cincinnati being your runner-up over there in the uh, in the American Conference, I feel like is, or your third place team, sorry, in the American Conference based on their game against Tulane there before to see who had home field advantage. Um, and UCF, of course, winning their game, they made it uh, there to the American Championship. And Tulane uh, took care of them pretty easily, as we mentioned. Uh, for Louisville, being in the ACC is very tough, um, but a decent season for them. It gets kind of overshadowed uh, with some of the other teams there. Uh, but, of course, there is a lot of ACC teams here in the bowl season, as we'll get to. 
because they are pretty well-rounded teams on the Atlantic coast. But uh, this one for me is tough because of it being so close uh, with how these teams play playing style. I think it comes down for me personnel wise. Uh, of course, Luke fickle has moved on uh, from Cincinnati. They don't have a head coach anymore. It's kind of a lackluster feeling there in Cincinnati. Uh, Louisville on the other side has the same situation going on, but I feel like, uh, I feel like they have, the better pieces in place when the key positions and that being at quarterback uh, with Cunningham at quarterback, it just seems like uh, they have what it takes and defensively they've looked very good this year. Uh, so I'm going to roll with the Louisville Cardinals in this one uh, to beat the Cincinnati Bearcats. Well, they're going to be closer whenever they face off because I don't know if you looked at the map, uh, but both teams will be on the same sideline. Uh, so they'll be able to, uh, there might be some brawls uh, on the sideline, but uh, actually today this uh, bowl game got more of, of a storyline. It's a rivalry game, but Scott Satterfield, the Louisville head coach, is actually going to now be the Cincinnati head coach. So that's a storyline in itself. So I think that this Louisville team is going to be pissed off because of that. They're going to want to beat Cincinnati now. Uh, so I think that Malik Cunningham in this offense, I think it's going to be a, a defensive battle. Both defenses have step up. At times, uh, Louisville, you know, at the, the end of the season, uh, you know, looked pretty bad against Kentucky. So I think that they had a bad taste in their mouth. Uh, I think that they'll get the job done against the Cincinnati team uh, that really without Luke Fickle, we don't know how it's going to look and how is uh, Louisville going to look without Scott Satterfield. So this is the interim coach bowl instead of the Fidway bowl. So I'm going to go uh, with the Cardinal in a close one. Yeah, I think we uh, will both. Uh, the consensus pick there is the Cardinals based off of their pissed off attitude that they'll have hopefully coming into this game uh, in Fenway Park. Uh, on to the next one here in New Mexico. It's the New Mexico Bowl uh, in Albuquerque. Of course, that's the only major town in New Mexico most of the time that we're looking at geographical things. So, of course, it has to be there in Albuquerque. Uh, it is the SMU Mustangs up against the BYU Cougars. I, I feel like this game is an offensive game. Whoever scores the most points in this game is going to win this game. Um, BYU has looked sluggish the second half of the year. They opened well. They were in the top 25 preseason top 25 team. They have been for the last couple of years. A lot of hype around them, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they fell apart and, and it, it just hasn't, they haven't rebounded from it. And I think SMU has had the more consistent year this year with what they've done. So I'm going to roll with the Mustangs uh, to win the New Mexico Bowl. Yeah, BYU was one of those teams uh, that we were talking about every week, especially after that big top 25 matchup at home in Provo. It was an overtime game against a Baylor team that we thought at the time was going to compete for the Big 12 championship that decided to not happen. But yeah, like you mentioned, Jared Hall versus Stephen Mordecai. I mean, these are the two quarterbacks. I mean, the one game that I always go back to is SMU putting 70 points up on Houston. So if you like offense, definitely tune into this one uh, on Saturday, December 17th. We have a big slate of bowl games uh, that day. So this is probably going to be, uh, you know, one of the higher scoring games uh, in this bowl season. I could see this one even getting to the 50s as bad as these defenses has been. But I, like you mentioned, this BYU team, I had confidence, uh, but really they've just been sluggish down the stretch. Uh, their defense really hasn't shown it. So I think that SMU's uh, offense is going to be able to get the job done in like a 52-48 game type of that. So 
I'm going to go with the Mustangs. I think uh, they get their eighth win on, on the season and get a, a good win. I mean, BYU is pretty much going to have uh, the, you know, really the quote-unquote home field advantage uh, since they're out west and SMU will have to travel more. But I think that the Mustangs uh, will get the job done. Yes, of course. And, of course, people, if you're taking the over, please, God, take the <laughs> I don't over. even know what the over is. Um, it's got yeah, to be a lot of points. Uh, so we'll have to see what – what that brings for the betting folks out there in New Mexico for that high uh, anticipated shootout. Of course, going to LA, the Jimmy Kimmel LA bowl presented by Stiefel. I think this game here is very strange because Fresno state is an underrated football team. Washington state. We've talked about a lot this year as a team trying to spoil everybody's party in the pac 12. They did it a couple times uh, this year and it felt, Really good to see them uh, have a successful year and be back in bowl contention uh, for the first time in a long time. Uh, for Fresno State, they've kind of been hanging out in the bowl season there, uh, being the best team in their conference. And uh, they had a good good showing uh, for, for their conference championship and uh, really had no question about them controlling that football game. And I had major questions about that. Uh, but they had no problem controlling that game. And, of course, they get a decent bowl game here uh, in L.A. So I'm going to roll with the dogs in this game. I think that Fresno State gets it done. They have a lot of offense uh, and the offense needed to win this game. Uh, Washington State just doesn't have the offense. Defensively, they do. They might hold them to fewer points. Uh, But at the end of the day, I think it's probably going to be a touchdown victory going to Fresno State in this one. Yeah, Fresno State really was lost in all of the hype of of the group of five ever since. Uh, you know, their quarterback uh, was out for most of the season. He came back uh, this past weekend against Boise State. And what a time to come back. I mean, Boise State got absolutely dominated in that one. Fresno's defense. I mean, Boise State's offense throughout the year, no one really had a game plan for them. And then Fresno State uh, got the job done. So that gives me more a sense of confidence. I'm also going to go with the Dowgs in this one. I think that's going to be one of the more underrated matchups. Washington State uh, is no slouch. Uh, they've been a very scrappy team. They can bring it on the defensive side. They do have some question marks on the offense. Uh, so I think that Fresno State, uh, the way that, that their quarterback has been playing, I feel like you have to go with Fresno State uh, in this little West Coast matchup. I I do like uh, that they have a bowl game in SoFi. Obviously, that's where the national championship is going to be. So it's going to be a little preview uh, to what that stadium will be looking like in January. But I'm going to go with Fresno State. Uh, give the Mountain West some love. Yeah, and uh, folks, they, I think that Fresno State has one of the top five logos in college sports no. in itself. Uh, the Bulldog is just perfect. The logo is great. So uh, I, I – uh, I'm a big fan of what they've done there with uh, that culture there in Fresno State. So uh, hopefully they get a big win uh, in their bowl game uh, coming up here in a couple weeks. But uh, moving to our next one here, interesting game here. It is the Lending Tree Bowl uh, in Mobile, Alabama, uh, right in my backyard there. So uh, it's going to be a good one here. The Rice Owls will be facing off against the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. Uh, a new member of the Sunbelt Conference, had a good season this year. Uh, their best win this year coming against Tulane on the road. That uh, was a great win for them. One of two losses for Tulane this year. Um, that was tough to see them lose. But uh, for Southern Miss, it, it is a good season for them. 
uh, new coach, new scheme, new things all the way around. And they've really uh, made something out of nothing there. And for Rice, uh, they get a former Penn State coach and uh, Ricky Ronnie over there uh, to be their head coach. And he's really uh, turned that program around. I mean, they really were a, a nothing at one point, and you know, they were just lost in the shadows, uh, literally being an owl. But that was <laughs> that was not anticipated. But uh, them playing in this one, I feel like Southern Miss is, is going to control this game from start to finish. They're just a better all-around team uh, looking at this game so i'm gonna roll with the golden eagles in this one it's good to see them back uh here they haven't been in a bowl game since they were in conference usa so it's good to see them uh back in the bowl hype yeah i feel like this is going to be a prototypical home game southern miss fans are definitely going to travel it's not too far away from hattiesburg and there's a lot of southern miss fans down there on the mississippi gulf coast and you got some sprinkled uh, out there in mobile uh, so I think uh, Rice, uh, they are 5-17. and 17. Their academics uh, got them uh, into a bowl game. That's usually how it works. Uh, if you're a 5-17, and 17, Rutgers got the nod uh, last year. So Rice, it's been a good year, uh, but I'm never going to pick a 5-17 and 17, uh, to win a bowl game. Uh, this was, uh, you know, Rice and Southern Miss did have some matchups in the Conference USA, but now that Southern Miss moved on to the Sun Belt. So I think that this could be a close game, but in the end, like you mentioned, Southern Miss, uh, this was a program uh, like a two-lane, you know, didn't have a good year last year that they won it, and then they got to a bowl game this year. Six and six, and six I think they finished off a good year with their seven-point uh, and get a get a win in mob town. Yeah, it would be good to see them uh, play close to home, and, of course, they will have a lot of friends and family and close people that we know traveling to go see that one. Immobile. Uh, on to the next one here is the SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl between the Florida Gators and the number 14 ranked Oregon State Beavers. Uh, great game here. I think this is a strange one being that, Oklahoma, uh, sorry, that Oregon State is playing uh, so early in the bowl season, being at number 14. I'm not sure why they were picked for this one. It's kind of a strange one. Uh, I thought they would play a little sooner. I thought this matchup would be uh florida and oregon uh i think i would have liked to see that a little more than florida and oregon state uh just based on the teams and how they've played i just i think that it would have been a little better game uh, and a little closer game in this one of course uh i'm gonna roll uh with the team that's a little closer to <laughs> las vegas and that being the oregon state beavers they've been on a heater as of late and uh, they've been unstoppable running the ball. Defense has stepped up and made some big plays. Uh, I don't think they're going to have a problem with Florida in this one. Uh, Billy Napier going over there to Florida. Uh, props to him for what they've done start of the season. I thought Florida was going to be a team that might have some under-the-rug hype uh, in the SEC. You know, their big win against Utah to open the year. Uh, but it really fell apart from there in some of those games and uh, they had a chance to win the Florida, you know, battle, battle for Florida there between Florida state and Florida. And they just gave it away close to the end there. Um, so I feel like Oregon state is the all around better team in this one. And I am so happy to see them uh, back in contention for the bowl season and back in the top 15. Yeah. I mean, it shouldn't be surprising to our viewers, both listening and watching that you're going to go with the Beavers. Uh, you've been very high on this team. And like you mentioned, the logos, I mean, Oregon state's got one of the better logos as well. I mean, that Beaver, 
is there. So I think that hopefully uh, they get, uh, you know, either the all black or the all orange unis uh, against Florida. But there's some big news uh, out of Florida. Anthony Richardson uh, is already declaring for the NFL draft, so he's not going to play in this one. So Oregon State is going to win this one pretty convincingly. Uh, Florida pretty much just doesn't look like they're not even going to be interested in this bowl game. Uh, Florida did have success against uh, their Pac-12 foe, their one Pac-12 foe that they faced uh, in the home opener against Utah. But I think that uh, Oregon State uh, will avenge that. I think that the line right now, Vegas, nine points. I mean, Vegas in Las Vegas Bowl, you got to roll with it. So I'm going to I'm gonna take uh, the Beavers not only to cover, but I think uh, they win this game. Yeah, I think they have a good showing here. And, of course, I think you take the points in this one for Oregon. Uh, Oregon State, sorry. In, uh, right, you can call them get, Oregon. Yes, I think Oregon State gets a big win here. Uh, and, of course, glad to see them back. Our last bowl game here that we're going to talk about of the early season, early bowl season, of course, is the Frisco Bowl uh, between North Texas and Boise State. I think that uh, this one is going to be very fast for me. North Texas has had a rough year. I'm surprised they've made the bowl season, to be honest with you. Uh, with what's happened this year. I just don't think the mean green can get it done in this one, even though they're playing uh, in their backyard for the most part <laughs> in something like this. I, I think that Boise State is the all-consensus better team in this one. They had a tough time there against Fresno State. They're going to be ticked off. I think they're ready to win a, a decent bowl game and, and uh, hang their hat on the decent season for them uh, in the Mountain West. So uh, I- I'm going to roll with the Boise State Broncos. Well, you just stole what I was just about to say. Boise State coming off of a loss, you pick them every time because this is a team that whenever they lose, uh, they don't lose uh, twice. I mean, so it's just uh, Boise State, I feel like their offense uh, got punched in the mouth. I think they'll get it done against North Texas. North Texas defense has just been off. I mean, it's very uncomical about uh, North Texas. Usually that's a team uh, that's built on their defense, uh, but not this year. So I'm going to go with Boise State. I hardly ever pick against the Broncos in the first place. Like I mentioned, growing up, if you're a college football fan, you're a fan of Boise. Uh, so with Boise being an eight-and-a-half-point favorite, I think this is going to be one of the easier picks, uh, like I mentioned, in the bowl slate. So I'm going to go with Boise State. I feel like I've been picking a lot of, of West schools, except for BYU, but I'm giving the West Coast some love this year. The West Coast has really shown out this year and said that they uh, they're not uh, leaving just yet. So it's good to see them still hanging on with some of these teams uh, in some early bowl games. Of course, getting away from talking about our bowls, we'll talk about some more bowls coming up soon. Yep, here we got a lot more for the next uh, show because we got a whole list of them, and this is just the first weekend of games right there that we went through. Uh, but getting away from that, we know we like to close out the show. Uh, with the news and our question Uh, first with the news Tyler it is presented by Yeti Uh, if you guys want to go over there and get all of your rugged luggage uh, coolers and drinkware over there that you can throw off the side of a cliff like I said last night Uh, I don't know if I will be going and retrieving or nor testing uh, the use of me throwing it into the Grand Canyon Uh, but of course if you guys want to go get some gear to hang on to and keep your drinks cold, warm, this, that. Of course, it's getting cooler, uh, so most of you might have some hot chocolate or some coffee in your cup there. Uh, so if you guys want to go check that out, go over to our link there, uh, to Yeti, and uh, you can get free shipping on orders over $50 if you guys want to go over there and get all that gear. Uh, 
hit us up there. We would be greatly appreciated to it. And also, if you do spend over $200 uh, with them, you do get a free small little Rambler mug included in there as well in your order. Uh, so go check that out, guys, definitely for the holiday season. To the news, Tyler, the transfer portal is chaos. It is all over the place. Lots going on before the season end, kind of like uh, the coaching carousel, as we mentioned last time. But I, I think this is uh, big news. There's a lot of big news with some big players moving around, of course. A lot of hype around the quarterbacks moving around. Give us some uh, teams you know, that are getting some quality players, losing some quality players. Uh, that have decided to move conferences and move teams. Yeah, really, we already saw one with Kay McNamara transferring from Michigan uh, and now to Iowa, and we're just seeing more quarterbacks. Devin Leary uh, is going to be in the transfer portal. I know that he had a season-ending injury, so I don't know if he's just going into the transfer portal. Is he going to get drafted? It's pretty much, I think it's more of of a safety net. Uh, If he doesn't get drafted high, uh, he can just uh, transfer out. Go to another school. Uh, DJ Uangale is, is another big name as well, going away from Clemson. Uh, we'll see where where he goes. I could see him go uh, to a potential group of five school, like a Coastal Carolina maybe. Uh, but uh, another name is, I mean, the, we already seen uh, Pittsburgh uh, got a quarterback as well. So, I mean, the quarterbacks are, are just flushing in as we speak. I mean, Boston College's quarterback uh, just transferred in, into Pittsburgh. Uh, so we'll see. You know, th- this is what college football has become. I mean, you can build up your teams uh, with uh, the transfer portal. I feel like the the main key is why these teams are going after him because LSU started all the, getting Joe Burrow out of the transfer portal from Ohio State. So, I mean, quarterbacks, uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, QB needed teams. Uh, you know, maybe does a Georgia go after a guy, especially with losing Stetson Bennett? Ohio State, what are they going to do after C.J. Stroud? Uh, Alabama, do they go get a quarterback? So we'll we'll see. I mean, we're getting names uh, by the hour, so it'll change. Uh, but it'll it'll be def- definitely definitely uh, interested to see where some of these top name uh, QBs land uh, come uh, next fall. There's a lot of hype around Georgia Tech's quarterback Sims as well. I think that he can be on the move with a lot of different opportunities. I think the first one being Alabama. Is probably the one that will open the door first. Uh, I can see that being there. Of course, they have Milrow there at quarterback uh, for the backup right now. Is he going to be the next guy to step in there at Alabama, or do they go after somebody? And I think uh, I think the answer is going after somebody else there that can throw the ball a little more. Milrow just looks a little hesitant in the pocket, kind of all over the place. He's young, and yeah. I get it. So uh, there's a lot of development needed there. And, of course, there's no better coach than Nick Saban for that. Um but closing out with our question, Tyler, the question is, is Deion Sanders the answer in Colorado? Yes, he formally did take the job in Colorado. had his press conference the other day and uh, really, you know, made a statement saying, hey, look, I'm here uh, to win games and here to better this program. And, of course, he can't get any better than their 1-11 finish on the season. You can get a lot better than that uh, because uh, that was pretty atrocious for them this year. And I think uh, something's better than nothing in this case. And the answer for it is Deion Sanders. Is he the answer in Colorado, though, Tyler? Uh, well, I think it was at first a shocking move. I, I know that he's built a really good program at Jackson State, both uh, undefeated seasons with a trip to the Celebration Bowl. Uh, they were champs of the SWAT, absolutely dominating Southern. I mean, in the regular season, they dominated them. And then the postseason, they're able to do that as well. Like I mentioned on the show last uh 
uh, last night. I just hope that Dion is, you know, knows what he's getting into because Colorado is one of the dumpster fire this year. Like you mentioned, they went one and eleven. I don't even know what their one win was. I think it was against an FCS team, uh, barely. But uh, the first, uh, I mean, going into next year, your first game is at TCU, who's going to be in the college football playoff. You're probably going to be getting Max Duggan back, uh, especially if he if he isn't drafted high. Uh, in the NFL draft. I mean, this TCU team is just going to reload, especially with Sonny Dykes there. I mean, more people are probably going to go to TCU now uh, than Texas, the way that, you know, TCU has already built themselves up. It only took them one year. So that's going to be a tough one. They have to play Nebraska at home. Uh, that's another home and home that they'll continue. And then, like I mentioned, the Pac-12 is just getting better by the day. I mean, that Utah uh, is probably going to be the class uh, of the Pac-12, Oregon, We'll see uh, what they do. Uh, does Bo Nix go? Does Bo Nix uh, stay? Uh, we'll see. Uh, but, I mean, with the way that Washington uh, was built up, Michael Penix announced uh, that he's coming back. Uh, so that's going to be a team to look out for uh, next year. Oregon State, your team that you've been high on, is going to be there as well. So the Pac-12 is going to be loaded uh, and even better uh, next year. So, uh, yes, I think that Dion is the answer for Colorado. I just don't think that there's many people that wanted to go to Colorado in the first place. Uh, so, I think that Dion, his namesake, uh, will be able to get recruits there uh, that Colorado needs. Uh, he's already bringing his son over there. He already announced that his son is going to be the starting quarterback for Colorado because uh, Colorado doesn't really have anybody uh, on their roster that can do that. So Colorado, really what they need to work on is their defense. They have one of the worst defenses uh, in the country. I mean, Colorado was built on defense even last year. Like, I bring up this game every show, it, it seems like, that Texas A&M game when they shut them down. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to be a, a lot of rebuilding. Uh, I think it's going to be a couple of years uh, until we see uh, the Buffaloes. Uh, I wouldn't say really to win the Pac-12 championship. I'm already seeing people, oh, Dion's going to win the Pac-12 championship next year. Heck no, they're not going to win the Pac-12 championship next year. So, I think – by and large, it is the answer for Colorado, but I am surprised, especially with the jobs like a South Florida. I thought that he would have gone there, started. Uh, I mean, we, I don't think I've ever seen a guy going from FCS to a uh, power five. The last one was North Dakota State. So with Chris Kleinman going from North Dakota State to K-State. So hopefully we, we see a movement like that uh, where he can get Colorado uh, back into the discussion. Because, I mean, Colorado, you look historically as a good football program. Uh, but recently uh, they just haven't been there. Yeah, so we'll see what Dion can do in Boulder, Colorado with the Buffaloes, uh, and we'll see if they can make a quest for the Pac-12 championship uh, and make a run and see if they can be a contender. We will say contender for a Pac-12. Well, they call uh, him Coach Prime. Get ready for a lot of primetime games because Pac-12 after dark. Yes, there will be plenty of games to watch Dion Sanders at 9 o'clock uh, at night so we will be looking forward to that coming up next year uh with him and of course we will continue our bowl games uh talk next show if you guys want to catch any more of the college football coast to coast show you guys can head over to apple podcast and spotify uh for our audio show and of course over to youtube for the live show where you guys can comment live and on our show and get our thoughts uh almost immediately so uh, we can answer questions on there at any point in time. You guys can hit us up over there. Uh, tomorrow is uh, SEC talk with Wade and Tyler. They will be breaking down a lot of what's happened in the SEC. And, uh, of course, the team that's included in the top four there with Georgia, there'll be a lot of talk 
and a lot of hype around that uh, coming up on their show. And uh, last night we did have the Sports Scramble podcast. You guys can catch that on Sunday nights as well. Chet was out last night, so we brought in Neil from the bullpen to, to come in and help us out. So uh, Neil uh, came in as our middle reliever and finished it out with us. So uh, we will see you guys, of course, next Monday for our show, and we will continue into the more anticipated bowl games uh, around the country coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started BetFred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetFredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred bets and up to 200 Fred bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.